0: Good morning, uh, happy new year to you all. It's great to see you guys this morning and thank you for joining us for worship before we get to our message, which will be a special message out of first Corinthians. I did want to just share some sad church family news with you and ask for your prayers along with it. This past Thursday, a uh, very dear brother of ours, uh, Mr. Charles Elveson, who's been part of our church for, gosh, um, almost 20 years now. He's the principal and the superintendent of New Life Academy. Uh, he passed away, so he, um, he graduated. He's in heaven with Jesus. On Wednesday, he was with his very lovely wife. They're out and about uh, shopping, and he had a heart attack. Uh, there at the mall and uh, praise the Lord. There was a medical person there, a nurse who responded and started CPR. Um, God's gift to Chicago was that he was resuscitated there um, on Wednesday, went to the hospital. And then on Thursday, about four o'clock in the afternoon, um, you know, he, he finished his race and, um, and went home to be with Jesus. So, uh, please pray. Please pray for Chikako-san. Please pray for Mr. Ellison's uh, stateside family. He has two grown kids and uh, grandkids as well. They live in uh, California and in um, uh, Massachusetts. And then, of course, please pray for the school uh, here, the many students and uh, families, parents, and the staff. Uh, he's very, very loved. Uh, we're going to be doing a special um, just school service on Friday, and then um, we'll have a celebration of life, uh, memorial service uh, on Saturday, the 13th. So January 13th, Coza Baptist, Pastor Chris, uh, those guys are so great to allow us to use their facility, uh, just, you know, a little bit larger capacity uh, than here, uh, because again, he, you know, just had tremendous impact and witness in the community. And so we'll Um, Let you guys know if that's something you'd like to attend. It's going to be at 10 o'clock on Saturday, the 13th. So I just want to give you that update, ask for your prayers, and thank you uh, for them. Well, today, of course, is the last Sunday. It's the last day of the year. It's a Sunday. Uh, What a blessing for us. If you were with us a year ago, uh, you guys know on New Year's Eve, one of the neat things that we get to do, and I want to invite you to come back later today, as well, at seven o'clock we have just a family potluck soup uh, dinner together, and so invite you to come back out for that at seven if you want to bring soup or chili or curry. Uh, I made a plug for pozole I think two weeks ago, red or green I, I like them both. So um, or bread or desserts you know any any and all of it because tomorrow we'll start our diet so today can be like a fat a fat Sunday for us. And then uh, whoever hangs out with us at midnight, uh, we, we sing in the new year in that we, we have a time of worship. And it's been a special uh, thing that we've been doing for the last couple of years. So last year we did that. Uh, and so we'll bookend our year with worship and God's word. And so this morning, what a blessing that we can be here on New Year's Eve and uh, have a time of worship and God's word again tonight invite you to come out your family we're gonna have uh, it all be downstairs we'll have plenty of seats and just good wholesome fun with that uh, many of you might have seen already depending on how you came here the Fatema shrine and temple uh, will be very busy in fact even the backside over here where the Nakagusuku castle is they have a shrine up there so uh, you know Okinawan tradition they'll go and they Pray for good fortune and um, you know uh, for the new year. Uh, and sometimes they get started early. So all that to say, just be mindful of traffic flow and patterns. So you might want to pad some of your time getting here. And if you get here a little late, it's it's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll start the party without you, but we will certainly wait for you, okay? Um, so that's happening tonight. Th- this past month has been busy uh, in a good way. Last Sunday, we were able to gather. Thank you guys for coming out and bringing your family and friends uh, over there at the Ishikawa Hall. Um, grateful for our team. They did an amazing job. And so just really special. Um, but with that, um, this coming month, we're kind of slowing things down on purpose. Uh, all of the normal small groups will start back up. So our midweek, um, we'll come back online. Our men's study, women's study, you know, youth group, all those things. Um, I think on on the bulletin, the calendar on the, gosh, I think it's the 21st. I could be mistaken, but um, we'll have a bake sale for our kids ministry just to help offset some of the expenses for that. We'll um, let you know more about that next Sunday. And then just some save the dates, by the way. So in February, we'll have a marriage uh, couples dinner. Uh, We already reserved the Butler Officers Club. Um, I think it's the 24th of February. It's a Saturday, and so we'll have a special time for couples. And then for the men's, uh, we're we're going back to Akuma. we got that all locked and loaded. Uh, So we'll have uh, a men's excursion, because I was told uh, Marines don't retreat. So not a men's retreat, a men's excursion, a men's advance um, in March, uh, I think 14th, 15th, 16th. So you can kind of save the date uh, of those things. So just give you a heads up, okay? Alright, well today I, I want to talk to you about expectations, uh, specifically God's expectations for you and for me as a church in 2024. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Grateful for our time through First and 2 Peter. We finished out next Sunday. We're going to start a brand new series uh, through 1 John uh, and then we'll go 1 John, Second John, 3 John, so I'm excited for that but today is a special message. If you need to borrow a Bible, you can uh, just wave at Elijah and he'll be happy to get you one. And uh, we can pray for Elijah too. In two weeks, he's getting married, uh, flying to Hawaii and uh, excited for him. I entitled our message uh, this morning, God's expectations for us. God's expectations for us. Oh, we we can pray for Josh Hagen too. He uh, He is down in Calvary Naha, and he's teaching the word for Pastor Masaru. And so we can pray for Josh and Anna as they're ministering down there. All right. Well, I'd like to invite you to stand with me and stretch your legs. Uh, We stand in honor of God and his word just for a little bit here. Paul, the apostle, like Peter, inspired by God's spirit, writing these words to this church. We read them today and trust that God has a word for all of us and where we are at. Verse nine. He says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now I plead with you, brethren, brothers, family, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you, but that you will be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. Because word has come to Paul. He says, it's been declared to me concerning you, my brethren. Notice he uses that phrase again. By those of Chloe's household that there are contentions. There's squabbles. There's quarrels. They got beef amongst them. And he says, now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul. Or I'm of Apollos. Or I'm of Cephas. Or I'm of Christ. Paul challenges that by these rhetorical questions. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, he goes on to explain that that wasn't the case, and he has other things to say, but for our, our time, we'll we'll pause there, and uh, let's pray. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, and I'm grateful that we can be here together to worship you. As we started 2023 in worship, Lord what a blessing we get to end the year in worship. Lord, I pray as we read these verses, uh, a special place, a special message different than where we've been tracking, but I trust, we trust that you have something you want to say to each of us. Lord, for us as a church, there's a word here, but Lord, also for us as your children. And so, As we pray so often, we ask that our hearts would be tender, that the soil of our heart would be fertile, the seed that would be planted, Lord, that it would go down deep, that the roots would go down deep and bear much fruit in our lives. And so, by faith, we say thank you for how you'll speak, what you will do, how you'll reveal yourself, things that we can be challenged on. And Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for our time together. May you be glorified through it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you take a moment? You guys know the routine. Say hello. Greet somebody new. Introduce yourself. This past week was um, such a mixed bag for me uh, in so many ways. You know, beginning with Sunday as we gathered, uh, it was great so grateful for our team. They did an amazing job. We had a really short window to get everything set up there. And uh, and they, and many of you who showed up, thank you. Thank you for making that all happen. Um, it, it was a blessing. Uh, I, I did hear, however, that some of the seating wasn't the best for some of us. So my apologies for that. Uh, you know, if you had some length or some girth like me, uh, maybe it wasn't the, the most comfortable seat. So thank you for enduring the extra crown in heaven, I believe. Um, but uh, as we talked with the team, we thought, ah, it was good for the moment. It was kind of a one and done for us, just a single use packet and we'll put it away and find some other venue for our next large gathering. And then of course, Monday was Christmas. I, I, I hope um, that you had a very restful and refreshing day uh, it was a good day for my family and I. We had just a few people over, and it was just relaxing. It was good. Got to chat with my family stateside. Uh, and then Tuesday, the staff came in. We uh, cleaned up. Well, they cleaned up. Um, we had our meetings. And, uh, and then the youth leaders, God bless those guys, they, they were still busy at it because they had to gear up for youth camp that uh, many of our high schoolers got to be a part of. I I heard it, they had a, overall they had a wonderful time, but uh, it did, uh, you know, got a little rainy. And so for a group of the girls, they they had to be displaced uh, just for the night. So when I heard the report, I thought, man, that is why I do not go camping. Like that's just (laughs) uh, one more reason why I do not go. But praise the Lord. So grateful for our youth team. And uh, I think the students were troopers through that. So thank you. Wednesday morning, uh, this is where for me, where it got mixed because in the morning I met with this young couple, they're in love, we're doing premarital counseling, talking about all the things and uh, prayed for them, encouraged them. And then uh, soon after I get a phone call that Mr. Elveson had his heart attack. So I rushed to the Emergency room over at Chubu Hospital, basically spent the rest of the day with Chicago over there, praying and getting in touch with his family through the night, uh, stateside. Thursday, head back over. Uh, he actually had a second heart attack. Um, they resuscitated him right there in the room. Uh, and, then, and then in the afternoon, uh, basically one day later, uh, he, again, would uh, go to glory. And, and, and so that, that began then the series of um, finding a place for services and the funeral home and a site for cremation and all of that. And so you continue to pray. We're still in process of figuring out some of those details. But then on Friday, we had a small kind of intimate gathering. The staff, some of his close friends, and I uh, got to share just kind of of a wake style service uh, there on Friday. And, and so through it all, just um, in motion, but having pockets of time to process what's going on, you know, and, and just thinking through, of course, just brevity of life, the gift of life. I mean, there's the things we just recently talked about. Christmas Eve, we talked about hope that we have in Christ, the, the hope from heaven and the hope of heaven. Uh, the promise that, you know, um, regardless of what happens in this life, and, and we're not promised that it's going to be easy at all times. There's times it's going to be hard. And yet we have a, a very real and tangible hope that we can hold on to. And so those very words, uh, I found myself just living out the very thing that we've got to preach on this past Sunday. And of course, you know, as we've been in Peter talking about hope and what our life, what, what's really important in our life the things that we're investing in, uh, all of that came to, you know, jettison to the front of my heart and mind. And so grateful for the grace of God. So grateful for his spirit and the word that we have that anchors us through these very difficult times. And then I projected forward of my own life the brevity of my own life and uh, the legacy that I'm leaving. So grateful for Mr. Ellison. If you didn't know him, uh, uh, you've missed out of though, uh, you know, we will see him again. Um, but he was a man who loved Jesus. Uh, he loved the kids. So it was part of why our, we agreed to this partnership of the school and the church. Um, yeah, some people didn't know that he never took a salary. He, he did it all for volunteer just because he loved the kids and um, wanted to see the gospel, you know, go forth um, through education. And and we often talked about just the future and the Lord coming back and these things. And and I appreciate the legacy, you know, that he left 82 years old, ran well, finished well, but it got me thinking about me and uh, life and, family and these things. And got me thinking about my plans, what I'm planning for 2024. You know, Some of you are like me. I, I like making plans. I'm a list maker. I, I like the new year. I love wanting to get a new calendar and new pens and a new highlighter and new notebooks. And I mean, I like the digital stuff too, but there's just something about pen and paper uh, that I you know, I, I, gravitate towards and appreciate and just the freshness of a new start and, and all of that. Um, and so, you know, thinking about those things and it's good for us to have plans. It's good for us to have goals, uh, you know, resolutions for 2024. I, I, I think it's important for us to, to think of those things and pray of those things and make plans, make plans for your career and your life and, um, family and, and spiritual plans, uh, all of that. It's good. Um, I think an episode like Wednesday with Mr. Elveson and when those things happen in our lives, it reminds us of the scripture that the plans of heart belong to men, but God directs our steps. And ultimately we have our plans and we have expectations, but we, we yield to what God wants to do. I thought about that, and I thought about Lord, what what do you then plan? What what do you expect for us, for me this year? And and I wonder how often we actually stop and consider that. And if you're like me, I think I'm good at making my own plans. I'm good at thinking through and talking through and dreaming and hoping and and, and you know looking at the our budget and and all of that. Uh, for this coming year. And I think it's important that we do, as I mentioned, what does God expect though of your marriage for this year? What, what, what does God expect of, of your season of singleness in this year? What does God expect of you in your career, in your career path and the things that you're in pursuit of? this chapter of your life, the the stage of your career, the season of your family. It's it's important to ask, God, what do you expect in this and of me individually? That's not the question we want to answer today. It's an important question to ask. The question we want to answer today is, what does God expect of us as a church, as a community, uh, as believers together, as a family together? What are the things that we should be doing? What are the the goals that we should establish, the target that we want to hit? And so that's what I want to touch upon and share with you this morning. Here in Corinthians, uh, just these few verses, we step into the doorway of, you know, a whole theme and of a whole book, a letter, two letters that Paul has written. So let me give you a little bit of background to help set context to what we talk about today. the the Corinthian church was a church that the apostle Paul uh, was a part of establishing that we might say he planted this church, this work there in Corinth. And um, it wasn't uh, an easy place to plant a church. Uh, It was a very sinful uh, international community where it was located. So he writes to them though, to address some issues because reports as we read there in verse 11 Uh, reports are coming back to him that though they had a good beginning and though they were gifted spiritually and a lot of things, uh, yet uh, stuff has starting to happen. And and now they're getting rocky. They're they're getting a little shaky. They're veering off course. And so he's writing to them to uh, change their vector, to bring them back on the tracks of the gospel and pointed towards Jesus. Because the church was planted in a very sinful place, um, they they had some challenges and some temptations to work through. Now, as in every church, God desired for them, as He desires for us, to be an influence to the community and society around them; that they would impact culture for the gospel and for God's glory. But it appears what happened is that the stream of influence wasn't going from church outward, but from the world inward, it's going in the wrong direction and that the worldly uh, culture and the worldly values were beginning to infiltrate and infect the church there in Corinth. Now, sadly, by observation, uh, it, it seems that that trend continues in our day and time as well. God's heart for us as a church, as the church at whole, is that we would be light and salt for him. That we would be those that by our good deeds, bring glory to God as people see and hear and watch and interact with us that we would be influencers for the gospel, that we would make an impact in the communities that we are a part of to the glory of God um, and for the proclamation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And yet, like the Corinthian church, um, it would seem though that society and trend and culture and values of the world around us, uh, our convictions have become compromised. And the gospel gets distorted and it comes in in various ways. Sometimes it looks good. There's some value to some of these things, not all of them, social justice issues, nationalism. I think probably more so in the States than here in Japan. And then all of the various ideologies to include wokeism, it's wormed its way in. In the case of the Corinthians, Paul sees it, he diagnoses it, and he's going to address it very directly because he wants to steer them from shipwreck. He wants to correct their course and put them back on the track that God has laid out for them. And he does through various means. Of course, he's writing this letter. He, he reminds them of important truths. So just by virtue of reminding them of fundamental things, things that they knew that were baseline, he not only does he remind them, but he reprimands them. He reproves them, rebukes them. Some of the things they were doing, they thought that was so good. He's like that. That's terrible. Not even the world does that. He confronts them in love, corrects them, calls them to repentance and through this letter really challenges them to a careful consideration of what does God expect of you? What is God's priorities that should trump our and their personal preferences? And it's a good diagnostic. It's a good metric for us or to ask the questions examine our expectations in light of what does God want. And so church family, I I pray we will hear the heart of the letter in its whole, but just in these few verses, allow God's spirit to challenge you as he's challenged me. And, and as, uh, you know, the scriptures tell us that we don't just be hearers of God's word, but we would, apply these things. We, we would respond and, and, and put handles on these principles and carry them out with us. So verse nine, Paul says, writes, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, as in most of his letters, the beginning part of chapter one is his introduction. He introduces himself. He acknowledges his recipients. He gives glory to God. He, he uh, praises the Lord for how God has been working in their lives. So he acknowledges God's goodness to them, God's blessings upon them, but quickly he'll move to the issues at hand. He doesn't waste much time. And there's a number of them that he works through. If you're familiar with 1 Corinthians, he kind of tackles a number of them. But the very first one he engages has to do with how they get along. God cares about how we get along. And one of the unfortunate things that have popped up in this church is that they had these little factions that formed. These little cliques that began to pop up. And they began to then adopt this very uh, exclusive mindset. And that exclusivity would turn into an elitist mindset. We're better than you, which is not good at all. Let me just pause for a moment so we don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with small groups in themselves nothing wrong with within the body of Christ having smaller subsets that we can connect with by season of life. Um, Our youth group and how God ministers to them. It's a little different than how God ministers, you know, to the rest of the body or how God might minister to our toddlers. Um, Certainly we trust that the word of God is good for all. I believe that application can be appropriate based upon where people are in their season of life. Uh, And so nothing wrong with those things. And we have them. We have our single moms. We have young adults. We have our youth. We have our kids. We, you know, our um, Japanese um, study groups. Um, If you didn't know, we, you know, we translate our messages into Chinese, well, Japanese uh, by radio. And then Chinese, Spanish, and Ukrainian by print. Um, and so we want to minister truth in the various groups. And so I, nothing wrong with that. We, we see Jesus minister to masses and he ministered to small groups. Um, and it can be healthy, it can be life-giving. But, uh, you know, like I said, uh, because not everyone has littles in this season, not everybody homeschools, not everybody's married Uh, and it's okay when we rally around common interests, when we rally around season of life, we find our tribe, if you will, within the body of Christ. That's good. It can be healthy and life-giving. The problem arises and issues arise when those groups begin to adopt a, a separatist mindset where it evolves into exclusivity and no longer inclusivity. Where it begins to morph into more of an elitist kind of sentiment. It moves from being healthy now into very harmful. Right? A cluster of cells uh, that groups together that's unhealthy in the body. We call it cancer. And so a cancer was forming in Corinth. These exclusive cliques. They rallied around personalities. They, they claimed a sub-identity based upon preferences. And Paul engages that inspired of the spirit. He seeks to challenge that and and provoke the reader and us as we read it today in a good way of considering, listen, that's not God's design. That's not God's expectation. Well, let's just start at baseline. He he reminds them of something that they knew. And it's good for us just to simply be reminded of Christianity 101 and verse 9, that God is faithful and he's called you to himself in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what does that mean then for us? That God expects us then to be in community together if you name the name of Jesus Christ. We're not called to be Lone Rangers. In the faith. God has designed and defined this very peculiar thing called the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, the household of faith. And he's called us to himself, and he calls us now into this dynamic of the church. This seems simple enough. God called you, he made you his own. At the same time, he puts you in this thing called the family of God. And as such, we're not casual associates. We're not distant cousins, but rather even as he uses the term in verse 10 and verse 11, my brethren, we are called to be family. And I'll qualify it. We're called to be close family. It's underscored by the fact that he addresses them as brethren. It's a term that he and Peter and others will use often. And you notice with me, it's the term he uses, and he's making a plea verse 10. "I plead with you, I'm begging you." The term of brethren is one of affection, of care, of concern, of involvement. See, Paul understands the importance of this to the heart of God. And so that's why he makes the plea. I'm pleading with you, family. Notice, by whose authority? By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just for a moment, let's consider what binds us together above all else. Our relationships. What's the glue. That. You know. adheres us. Some people are. Are bonded by sports. You're on a team. You. Play together. You practice together. Some people are bonded by. By schools. You have. Dragons here and panthers here and eagles here and school that you go to. Some people are bonded by hobbies and interests. There's a group within our church that they, go, they like to go scuba. Um, I'd rather eat the fish on, on dry land than go see it, you know, in the water. There are those that like to work out together and they use weird terms like fun run, right? Like, you know, just... That's not my tribe. I just, (laughs) there's all kinds of things that bond people together. I mean, the world often it's, they bond together by culture. It's understandable by, by language, passport you hold the color of your skin. That's how the world around us, they often bond and we find ourselves in similar bonds, but, but what, but what bonds us together is the body of Christ. It's our spiritual birth, the spirit of God himself. It transcends and supersedes every bond, all of those bonds. And by the way, sometimes it's those bonds that become the very thing that divides people. Right. And that's, that's a little bit what was happening in the Corinth, the Corinthian church. It was these bonds. They were forming, but they're looking like the world to the point where they were dividing and divisive and, 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 even contention. They're contending against each other. Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians chapter three, verse 28, he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When it comes to our salvation, that's the context, by the way, our salvation, who we are in the body of Christ, we're all one. We're, we're One in the Lord. So how does that translate into application for us today then? Here's the bare minimum. Here's the the expectation, I think, in light of the fact that we've been called into this. I just want to challenge you in love. Make effort to be here, to be in fellowship when the church gathers. Now, you're here today. Kudos. Thank you. And so maybe it's just to recommit and reaffirm. As you consider the coming year, what does God want for us as a church? Well, that we would be together, that we'd make it a priority to come in person and worship with the body of Christ in person, shoulder to shoulder, face to face. The writer Hebrews reminds us in 1025 that we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves. And he qualifies it as some do as the manner of some. The idea is, but not us. And how much more so should we be gathering together as we see the day of Christ approaching? We're living in perilous times. The love of many are growing colder and colder. This world's getting darker We'll go through some stuff and sometimes it's some hard stuff, right? We're not immune. We talked about this on Christmas. We're not immune to heartache and hard things, but where do we go then for, for comfort and direction, for, for community, for, for wisdom? Well, it's here to be together, to hear the word of the Lord together. And listen, I want to make sure you understand, I'm not promoting some legalism. This isn't a dogmatic demand, like you better be here. And Listen, we're free in Christ. Later on in Galatians, Paul writes, you know, one person esteems one day above another. Praise the Lord. If that's, if that's what we want to do and you want to do, then, then praise God. We're free. Listen, I understand there's going to be some beautiful days. You want to go outside and worship the Lord at the beach. I get it. Today's not that day, but praise the Lord, right? You know, (laughs) your favorite team is playing. You got a kid in a game. Your family has an event. Listen, there's no condemnation. We're free. We're not under the law we can worship God outside of church. And dare I say, we should be worshiping God outside of church. I hope that the only time you're worshiping God isn't only here on Sunday mornings. We can open our Bible and hear from the Lord outside of church. Absolutely. Again, I want to encourage you. We should be doing that. And certainly we can find amazing teaching on YouTube and online in these various places. But I I, I want to lovingly challenge that I believe that God would challenge us that that we wouldn't allow comfort and convenience to be the determiner of whether we come to church or not. And that we wouldn't be so quick to dismiss being in community when we have the opportunity. And a part of that is then we come to value then that we value being together. You know, um, kind of our standard line, it's somewhat of a joke, but there's some truth to it, is that that we're really a kid's church with an adult ministry. We have way more kids. You guys are obedient to being fruitful and multiplying. Praise God. There's more kids than we have adults. And one of the things that I think blesses the Lord, because it blesses me, is when the kids are excited to come in. And they can't wait to be here and be, you know, in their classes and, and be, you know, hearing the word and being with their friends. And man, it blesses me. Now I realize sometimes, you know, we got to drag our kids and that's part of the equation too. But sometimes I'm convicted because I feel like, man, do I have that same excitement? Because sometimes I feel like I'm dragging it. Okay. I got to go to church. Yeah. <laughs> But when we come to value this gift of togetherness, it's such a precious gift. That we would worship shoulder to shoulder and that we would serve face to face. So important. And so attendance is baseline. That's the beginning. And if you haven't been consistent in that, maybe that's the challenge for you this coming year. Just try to come a little bit more. But if you really, if we really want to grow, if we really want to advance in faith and, and and experience the fullness of what God has for us, well that happens when we are actively participating. That we don't just come, baseline is come. Baseline is come and receive. But if we really want to grow this year in our faith, it, we, we, the challenge is to move from recipient to participant. From spectator to servant, to invest and contribute time and talents and treasures, giving and serving, so that we as the body whole, that we get to grow up together. Because if you're missing, then that can't happen for the rest of us. Here's how Paul phrases it when he writes to the Ephesians church. He addresses really similar to the Corinthian church as well in Corinthians 12. But in Ephesians 4, he says, uh, the New Living Translation. says so he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. That the whole body then is healthy and growing and full of love. So if you come and you attend and thank you when you do and you hear the message and thank you that you do, man, we had a first guy that conked out first service and he was just going for it. Sawn logs, big time. It reverberated through the <laughs> through first service. I was like somebody wake our brother up. That guy is, <laughs> he is praying in the spirit for me. So thank you for being awake today. Listen, if you come in and that's, and you just keep yourself at baseline, you don't make effort to connect here. I'll just say this. You will cheat yourself. You will rob yourself out of a tremendous blessing that God wants to give you, that God has for you in this season, however long it might be to connect you with some amazing people that are part of this church family as well. And so baseline is come, get fed, go, but you'll, you'll cheat yourself. Now, the next step then is to put yourself out there a little, right? The, it requires then that you would be open and receptive when someone engages you and or are you ready for this, that you would be the initiator to put yourself out there a little bit. You would initiate the interactions and all of the introverts cringed, <laughs> I feel you. I'm in that lane. We'll send Josh Bonaro after you. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> We're called into this beautiful thing called the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so baseline, we want to be in community together. God expects that we'll make effort to be together when we can be together. He goes on in verse 10. He says, now I plead with you, brethren, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that you there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You notice with me, after just establishing what's true that we've been called, he now makes a, 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 a plea. It's a heartfelt plea. He uses this phrase in the New King James that we be perfectly joined together. In the original Greek, it's just one word. It's the word katerizo. Uh, and it means to be fused or it means to be rendered whole. It's the idea of, and just made one. Ingredients of a recipe, individual, but then they blend together, they melt together, and they make Something good, like a snickerdoodle. Right? <laughs> Flour and cream of tartar and sugar and cinnamon, right? All the glorious things brought together. <laughs> Make something very beautiful in that cookie. That's the idea. No divisions, one and whole, individual and yet brought together. See, what, what does that mean? That community in itself is one thing, but, but God expects and desires for us to be in unity within our community. Not that we're just kind of separatists within this thing called the church, and we're kind of doing our own thing in pockets of, old thing, of our own thing, but that there'd be a, a blend, a beautiful blend, that, that it's a oneness, a harmony, a, a, a unity together as much as I wish it happened by simply by virtue of proximity, it doesn't. You guys know that it doesn't. It doesn't happen automatically. There needs to be intentionality. There, there needs to be a commitment to this. And commitment comes when we recognize the value of it. Let's be real. There's risk as well. There's risk of heartache and heartbreak. There's risk of disappointment. And yet we go through scripture and it's the very thing that God prescribes for us. Ephesians 4, 3, it says, make every effort. Another translation would say strive. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. It's not natural for us. And it's certainly not on display any real sense of unity in the world around us. It's feigned. It's fake. It's just unity in name only because the world around us and society around us, it's often marked by great disunity. And we understand that that's, that's the result of the fall, right? That's the result of sin in this world. There's brokenness. And so brokenness in our lives and then brokenness we experience and brokenness in our marriages and relationships and, uh, you know, there's, there's fracture. We live in a fractured world and it permeates workplace and school and family and friends. And there's ethnic groups that hate each other. There's nations that are at war. Uh, you know, it, it, it manifests in all of these various things. The world is disjointed. There's Disunity. There's division. And those things left to themselves often turn into hostility. And that's what we see. And yet God directs us to the exact opposite. To overcome and persevere through those things. I I often think that we get to be then this beautiful curious example of what true unity looks like right the church becomes the antidote to the world's disunity by our harmony and unity and community together philippians 127 paul again says only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Unity and community doesn't just happen by, by proximity just because we happen to be sitting next to each other, or standing here. It, it happens when we're focused on the same goal. We're moving in the same direction. We, we, we have the same um, mission before us. And the Bible gives us that. It, it's, it's that standing firm in one spirit, one mind side by side for what? Well, for the glory of God, for the advancement of his message of the gospel. See unity finds its form when we then are, are in agreement living out you know, the gospel to the glory of God. I mean, ultimately, this really is the goal for us as a church. He says that there be no divisions. You speak the same thing. You have the same mind, that you have the same, same judgment, the idea of the same convictions, that we're laboring in the same thing. Now, please understand that He's not prescribing some weird cult stuff. But it is the idea of our directive. See, for us as a church, we have no other mission. This is our goal. We're, our, our mission isn't to be a community that we're going to go out and go win some games, sports games. That, that, that's not our goal. That, that would be the goal of a sports team. We're not here to to have the best ramen on the island. Wherever I'm still in search of that, wherever that may be, but that's not our goal, right? We're not we're not trying to figure that out. We're not trying to uh, create, you know, increase our bottom line for our shareholders and have record-breaking gains for this coming year. That's that's not our goal. We we are simply a community, a group of regular. Broken, sinful people saved by God's grace, called by God to himself together for what purpose? To learn together to love the Lord, to walk out and live his truths so that other people can know Jesus too. That's it. And it's good for us to be reminded of what what is our mandate? We Glorify God through these things. Let me me add a qualifier too, so we don't make any mistakes. When we talk about unity, the idea of saying the same thing and having the same mind and having the same judgment, it it is the idea of, of agreeing that this is what God has called us to do, but understand that unity in itself doesn't automatically mean uniformity. Doesn't mean that we all have to be the same. We can think of it, and he'll describe it later on as a as a physical body in chapter 12. You think about a band, our worship team this morning, or an orchestra. They're, they're unified in their goal to make beautiful music. And, and each of the musicians and singers and the conductor, they, they have their part, and they're, they're all playing to. To, to sheet music so they can be in harmony together, but they're not all the oboe, right? They're not all the drums. They're not, there's different positions and, and parts. And when they come in and, and all of it, then working together, and that's the body of Christ. God's designed us that way on purpose. This beautiful diversity, this kaleidoscope, the mosaic that the body of Christ is. I mean, just by virtue of our outward appearance of shapes and shades and colors and and sizes, we're all different. And God puts us together in this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. We have different goals. We have different uh, giftings, excuse me. We have different um, abilities, and without a role and a function, a place. And so we get to then participate and work towards the unity. And so it does mean we'll have differences. And the Bible prescribes how we tr- honor those differences. To esteem others better than ourselves. To speak truth and love to encourage and to spur each other on towards good works, to give grace and respect and embrace those differences. The Bible even gives us a picture of heaven, every tongue, tribe, and nation standing before the Lord. And so when we gather together and, I, and our diversity, we get to be a preview of heaven. It's a beautiful thing. And so we don't want to misunderstand what, saying the same thing and thinking the same thing and having the same judgment. It represents us being locked in with the Lord, having the mind of God and the convictions of God, the goals of God, the priority that God prescribes to us as a church. And he goes on though, in verse 11, he says, it's been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. And I read that. And I think, man, Chloe's household are tattletales. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. That's what they say, right? <laughs> so Paul is addressing based upon what Chloe's household has said. He says, I say this, that each of you are saying I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. They're little factions. They're bowling shirts. Is Christ divided? The answer, of course, is No. Paul wasn't crucified for them. You know, even within churches today, we have denominations and different flavors. And again, I think it's okay. Different styles and methods. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Our worship style, it's different. There's others that are more traditional and then still there's others that are more exuberant and lively. And they like to, you know, jump in their chairs. Like that's not our flavor, but. As long as it's in spirit and truth, hey, praise God. Different teaching and preaching styles and personalities. It's truth through personality, and I'm not surprised, I'm not the most dynamic speaker, right? I'm not walking around, I'm not, I'm not theatrical. I just kind of stay right here in my pocket, right? But others are, and praise the Lord. I appreciate the the variety in the body of Christ. And so, again, there's place for that and appropriateness for that. But ultimately, we all belong to Jesus, right? Ultimately, uh, Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. And when we pass from this life to the next, when we get to heaven, uh, there's not going to be a section of the Pentecostals and then the, you know, uh, fundamental Baptists over here and, and, and then us kind of in between, uh, it's just going to be the body of Christ. And so no, Paul wasn't crucified for them. See, Paul's made aware of these contentions, these divisions that were happening within the church. and these small groups, while it can be healthy, they turned unhealthy, they turned harmful, they turned into disputes and quarrels and contention and instead of these instead of the diversity being a complementary thing the diversity became a contentious thing it became competition they were no longer contending for the faith together now they're contending with each other and it was conduct unbecoming a christian it's it's ugly it's not it doesn't represent the heart of the lord at all and so paul challenges this these questions and the bottom line really is, who do we belong to? Who do we belong to? Because our faith isn't designed to be fractured. A body that's broken is not a good body. It's not healthy. Again, we we read this and we think, wow, Chloe's household—they um, they're tattletales. But I want to submit to you in the spirit, it conveys the idea of this, that there is someone that was concerned. There is someone that cared enough about the the unity and the harmony of the church and and recognized that this is not a good thing. And so it conveys the idea of this for us. What does it look like for us? It's the idea that God expects us to be committed to each other. And I'll add this qualifier. And with that comes Accountability. We're in community, we're in unity, and we're committed and accountable. There's someone who cares enough about you to tell you, hey, that's dumb. You've stepped out of line. And where is that going to happen if it doesn't happen within the context of this when we share in this faith and priority and our goals together? Again, we can have individual goals. I think that we should. And even as us as Christians, and maybe I mentioned this earlier, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself. We have our race to run. We have our lane. We have our pace. We we have the place in which God has placed us. You're not called to run my race. I'm not called to run yours. Where you are in your race might be different than the person sitting next to you and the pace that they're running and the grace of God in their life. At this time, it might look very different than yours. The convictions that you have developed along the way but we're all heading in the same direction and and like a race we can and should spur each other on and encourage each other. But there are those who just they're more elite and the others of us are slower. The danger we get into is that when we start to compare or we begin to complain, why aren't they running like I'm running? Why does their lane look a little different than my lane? And we have to be careful of that. See, God calls us to something better and higher out of clicks, out of exclusiveness, out of forming our own little, um, you know, pockets of community. That's petty. Community Together is where we start. Unity in the harmony of God's call and commission. That, that's the bond that we have, our identity in Christ. But again, guess what? It, it will require us then to be committed to this. Sticking it through when we hit bumps and hit turbulence and we bump up against each other. Because guess what? We're we're still works in progress ourselves. There's still quirkiness. We still say dumb things. We still misstep and misspeak. We we offend. And and that in itself becomes opportunity for us to grow, to exercise forgiveness and practice grace, to give each other the benefit of doubt. See, commitment means that we're willing to stay locked in, even when temperaments get a little heated, uh, personalities get a little jagged, and problems come our way. I, I want to challenge you in this coming year, and some of you are visiting, and blessed that you're here. But you, you will do yourself your greatest service. If you find a church that loves the Lord, teaches the word that will love you and you commit to it, plug in and make yourself accountable. It's easy for us in this day and age to have a consumer mindset when it comes to church that we come and we sit and we are like, all right, what, what is this? What's in it for me? And we're okay as long as, you know, I don't say anything mean from the pulpit and, and, and nobody, you know, um, accuses your kid of being the biter in the class. Or, you know, the, the very first thing there's trouble, you're like, I'm out of here. and We hit the eject button. I'm gone. You heard the saying that there's no perfect church. And if you ever find it, don't join because <laughs> then it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> I didn't say that. chaplain Wayne says that (laughs) what does it mean it means accountability it means it means a willingness uh, to put ourselves out there a little bit and invite somebody into a space that speaks truth and love in your life to challenge you to hold our feet to the fire it means a willingness to hear and receive some hard things at times it means we're in community that's committed to one another through thick and thin things. And giving grace to your pastor when the bell rings at noon. That's what it means. Right? <laughs> I pray we'll rise to the challenge. We'll consider God's expectations. Again, not not a legalistic, oh, I gotta do this. No, no, no. Like, the mindset should be we, we get to do this. And hopefully we want to do this. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. May we be committed to community this year. That all the wonderful things that we get to do on this island and all the various social events and fun events, Lord help us when we can be here to be here and make it a priority. Lord, I pray that in that we wouldn't just be here for the sake of being here and check a box, but that we would be in unity Realizing we have a mission. There's a goal that you've given us as a church to make impact in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And Lord, that we wouldn't just come and be mere uh, spectators, but Lord, that we would be participants, contributing, serving, giving, helping. And Lord, help us to be committed uh, in a depth uh, of relationship that, that we're accountable to each other. That we'll be willing to hear hard things. That we'll be willing even to to love somebody enough to step into their life to say, hey, I I don't think that's a good thing. Lord, we want to do so for our good together and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Amen.